hey everybody, good to see you. Welcome to everybody online, hey. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of good stuff, these 30 days leading up to our 30th birthday. Just this past week we sent out, what, about 400 people out to go share uh, the good news of Jesus, to share in the good works of Jesus, to share God's love by serving in three different great local charitable organizations, uh, Children with Hair Loss, Pendleton Center for Blind Children, and Fish and Loaves. And then uh, just yesterday, we had uh, some 250 or so people get together and pack 30,000 meals to help feed people downriver. So appreciate you guys for doing that. Still got a week left, so if you haven't got a chance to serve, I know there's a few teams that could use your help, so let us know. Go on the website, we'll get you going on that as well. Let me ask you, have you, have you ever played on a real sports team? And I don't mean, you know, just for fun, you know, uh, intramural leagues or um, pickup ball. I'm talking about serious competition. Even though the truth is, some of those intramural leagues can get pretty hardcore brutal, including church leagues, right? Uh, yeah, they're tough. But no, I mean, like, have you ever been coached on a team to play in a championship game? Don't mean to brag, but I did play basketball for four years in school. You know, starting in third grade, I, I was on the Lakers. That was like my best team in fifth grade. You can tell we mean business there. You do know which one is me, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm a little scared to ask that, frankly. Um, I, I believe we went undefeated all season. I'm just going to stick with that because who can verify, right? <laughs> but I remember in the championship game, we got beaten. I think that was our, our first defeat. And, you know, we were coached well. Coach made us do a lot of drills, a lot of running, a lot of wind sprints, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Back then, we called them suicides. Is that what they're still called today? Call them something else? Okay. Hated those things. But, you know, you got to go through those things to, to get where you need to go. And a coach has to motivate players to get to that place where they can play in a championship because it's easy to want to play in a championship, uh, to want to take that you know, winning shot, like three, two, one, Ks for the win. You know, you, but you got to go through all the stuff like wind sprints, which are no fun, but they're important. If you want to have legs in the, in the last quarter to be able to take that shot, you got to do it. And so a coach has to teach faith in the work that if you do the work, It'll pay off. Can't guarantee that you'll win, but you'll at least have the potential to play against the best and even to beat the best. So faith doesn't mean necessarily you're going to win, but it will give you the confidence and the fuel to keep putting in the work so that you know there can be a reward. So this is our last week in the Grow and Go series, and you've been learning about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. We've been in the book of Hebrews. And today there's just going to be a whole lot of stuff on the screen, so you might want to take notes today. By the way, how you been doing with those commitments over the last several weeks about I'm committing to attend worship weekly, to read my Bible daily, to pray daily, to serve, to uh, invite people, to share your story. You know, if you missed any of those, you can still watch them on our website or listen to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about that confidence and fuel that we need as Christians to finish strong. So let's go to Hebrews 10. We're going to look at verses 32 and 34. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you became a Christian, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, 
since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So you remember when you first heard the gospel and you put your trust in Jesus? Hopefully it was a wonderful experience, but chances are you had to struggle with a little bit of adversity, maybe some new things you never had to deal with before. Being a Christian wasn't always easy. Yet, still nothing compared to what they were dealing with back then when they were probably being publicly persecuted, uh, probably, again, having their property confiscated, but it was okay. Why? Because they could look beyond that and know we got something better coming. We've got a reward. We've got an inheritance in heaven. Now, why is Hebrews reminding them of this and us? Next verses, 35, 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. You're going through all this stuff. Hold on to your confidence because it has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So in spite of what you're going through, don't quit. Keep going. There's a trophy at the end of the season. I know you're going to get tired. It's going to hurt, but don't give up. And so that's what they're doing. They're being strengthened now. They're being encouraged Encourage means to be given courage to keep going, and they need more of that so they can have endurance, so they don't stop. They look because we're not we're not in a sprint. I mean, even if we're doing wind sprints, it's still a long time, right? It's more like a marathon, and you got to get tired. You might not think I can go another step, but keep going. You can do this. You can make it because God will give you strength to make it. So, what's this confidence they have? In a word, it's faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 now. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And it's kind of sadly tragic and ironic that there are people who will mock us because of our faith. Oh, yeah, faith. You know, who needs faith? Faith is a crutch. They're living by faith just as much as we are. I mean, life itself is faith. I mean, just something as simple as making a recipe. Somebody says, well, if you make this, it's going to taste good. So in faith, you go out to the store, you pay a bunch of money for the ingredients, you spend all that time preparing the meal because you're trusting the word of somebody that you think knows what they're doing. That's faith. Anytime you go to a doctor and you get a prescription and you take it to a pharmacist and they fill it and then you take it, that's all faith. I mean, it's reasonable faith. But it's still faith. Every time you get into a car, (laughs) you are living by faith. With all those impaired, deranged drivers out there, I mean, it's still reasonable that you're going to make it to your destination, but it's still an act of faith to drive out on those roads. So think about when you're shopping for something. You're going online, you're going to Amazon, you're going to to eBay, any of those places. Or, Or you're making reservations. What do you do? You look at the reviews. You're trusting the words of people who have already done it, who've experienced it. And so you go ahead and make the reservation or you purchase the product based on their testimony. Now, if it's only a couple of reviews, then that's pretty risky faith because, you know, it just might be the business owner's relatives. But if it's dozens of reviews, hundreds, thousands of reviews, well, now you've got more confidence that you're going to get a good deal. So that's faith. Faith gives you confidence. As Christians, what do we have our hope and our confidence in? Well, the Apostle Paul succinctly lays it out for us in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, this is a scripture that typically gets read at Easter, but we're going to give it one week jump on it. 
If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So where's our faith? Where's our hope? It's in this Christ who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, became a perfect sacrifice, died in our place, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and we believe it's coming back one day to complete and fulfill our faith forever. And we will live with him in the new heavens and the new earth. So our faith is in Jesus, Messiah, Christ, Savior, who offers peace with God. And if he is still dead in a tomb somewhere, then our faith is futile. It's meaningless. It's worthless. But if he's alive, then we should have all the confidence in the world. And that's our big idea, is faith in Christ provides confidence and fuel to finish strong. Remember again when you said yes to Christ at first? Again, hopefully you experienced some wonderful things and maybe you were all fired up and you were passionate about reading the Bible like you couldn't get enough scripture and you're praying all the time and you're, you're going to church and you're throwing out some of the junk in your life, the sins and your past and you're just getting in this place where you really feel great. It feels so good to be forgiven and have this new meaning in your life. But what often happens is we begin to trust in our feelings. And we get to a place where, well, I don't feel like I did at first. So something must be wrong. And when we put our faith in our feelings, then we're, we're not going to have a lot of confidence. Whoa, I think that's my mic, right? That's me? That's me. Okay. Hopefully it's better. If you, uh, you, you live by your emotions like you're on a roller coaster all the time, it's not a solid place to put your faith. So if I, can, if I start putting my pl- faith in like, well, here's, I'll, I'll have more faith if God does things for me, if he helps me get this girlfriend, or if he helps me pass this exam or get this job, then I'll have a greater faith in God. Well, that, that's a very dangerous thing. Because if you start putting your faith in anything other than what Christ has already done for you, well, then, then there's nothing solid to really believe in because there's no guarantee. Faith doesn't guarantee what's going to happen in your future here and now. Faith is about what happens beyond this world here and now. So let me clear up a few misconceptions about faith. First, it's not blind. Nobody's asking you to have a blind faith. Right? I mean, when you come to Christ, you don't check your brains at the door. I mean, there's some people who do have a blind faith and they manage somehow, but there's good evidence to believe. It's a reasonable faith. You can put the evidence on trial and it will stand the test. And, uh, people with legal backgrounds have done that and written books about it. People who are, have been judges and investigative journalists, uh, police investigative detectives have put all the evidence on trial and said it holds up beyond a reasonable doubt. So it makes more sense to believe than not to. And yet faith is not absolute certainty. You don't have to have 100% proof or even confidence to have faith. Because if you're waiting for 100%, you're going to be waiting a long time. Nobody lives by 100% faith in anything unless something is right here in front of you okay I know this is real because I can touch it and feel it but that's not the way you live your life you believe in all kinds of things that you can't touch and see and feel atheists live by faith 
I mean, they're, they, they're putting faith that there is no God. There's not 100% proof of that either. So why are they mocking us? Let's mock them. We got more evidence than they do. Makes more sense to believe in God than not believe. It's the question is, like, if I have doubts, then I'm not really saved? No. It's what you do with those doubts. Do you let those doubts drive you deeper to dig in and find the answers, or do you let those doubts drive you away from God? Okay. Some in the Bible had doubts, but God commended them for their faith. Another misconception is that it's merely intellectual. That faith is some kind of formula or riddle to figure out to solve all the mysteries of the universe. And it's, it's more than that. Again, it's reasonable, it's logical, and yet it's beyond reason. Why? Because it's not just natural. We're dealing with the supernatural. And so it's also beyond reason. It's something that cannot be contained by our limited mind and senses. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I'll, I'll stand really still. Okay. Uh, thing is about our faith is it is hardwired into us. Every single person on this planet has the knowledge of God imprinted on their conscience. It is intuitive. That's why people are universally religious by nature. It, it, it's also more than primarily sentimental. Like, again, about feelings. If I don't get goosebumps and chills, then it's not real. No, that's not true at all. Faith does bring about feelings. It can. They can be helpful, but they're not what guide us because feelings come and go. Feelings are okay if you keep them as the caboose and not the engine. Our faith is in the facts of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And just because I don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. Some of the most faithful people in the Bible didn't always feel close to God. I think that's why in Hebrews we're given chapter 11, this hall of faith. It's kind of a hall of fame of faithful people to show us that it's not dependent on our circumstances or situations or what I feel in the moment. And when you read through those different people, there's 15 different examples, you begin to see that real faith is seen with your ears. That <laughs> sounds crazy, but Hebrews says, looking forward to those things not yet seen. So our faith is in things we can't see yet, but they're just as real. We walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Remember when Jesus rose from the dead, yet one of the disciples, Thomas, said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it with my own eyes and I touch his wounds. So Jesus shows up. All right. Now you see me. Good for you. I mean, big deal. Anybody's going to believe if you see it face to face. Blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen, but more blessed are those who have seen, have not seen and yet believe, and that's us. We haven't seen, and yet we believe, but it makes sense to believe because we, we have evidence, we have testimony, we have good reason. The book of Romans tells us that it, it, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So even when we can't see what's going on, we trust and we rely on God's reliable promises. Even though we're in the midst of pain or suffering or adversity or frustration or anxiety, which leads to another element of faith, and that is active trust. It's not just something you believe is another fact in your head. You actively put your trust in this faith, in this person of Jesus Christ. It's like, I trust my wife. 
But it's not a blind faith. I mean, no matter what she does, I'm going to trust her. No, it's because I've learned to trust her character, the history we have, her experience. I don't have a 100% guarantee that she's never going to do something to break that trust, nor she with me. But I have faith in her because I know her. So no, we don't know what the future is going to bring, but we know the one who holds the future. And, and even though I don't know everything about it, I'm okay because I know the Lord is there. He's already there. Look, look at verse 13 about those heroes of faith. These all died in faith, not having received things promised. They never did get it in this life. But having seen them and greeted them from afar. So none of them ever got to see Jesus the Messiah. They knew something about He was coming. And that's why they kept faithful. They, they knew God, and so He's going to make good on it. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know He will. And so all those Old Testament saints died in faith, and they died saved by God's grace. God has always worked by grace. And it was a faith that relied on God's promises, which were complete. It was completed and fulfilled when Christ came. So faith doesn't guarantee results here and now. Faith is, is diverse in both its, its applications and its outcomes. Because you look at those guys in Hebrews 11, and some of them are called faithful just because like Isaac passed on the covenant to the next generation. Or, or Joseph told his family to bury my bones in the promised land after you're delivered from Egypt. He's commended for that faith. Why? Because he's relying on God's promises. He's going to make good on it. He's going to deliver us. So some of these people lived by faith and they, they conquered and they did amazing things. Others who lived by faith lost and suffered and were put to death for their faith. But they're all people of faith. Sometimes faith makes life better in this world. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it makes it worse and short. But that's okay because we're not living for the here and now. We're living for something beyond here and now. We know what's coming. So if you are ready to embrace that kind of faith that's not based on your feelings, that's not based on how big your faith is, you, you, even if you have a small faith, it's in the object of your faith, which is big. Jesus is big. He's going to do what He says He can do. He can save you if you'll trust Him, if you'll repent of your sins, if you'll be baptized into Christ and bury your past and, and your baggage and start following Him. He's going to make good on all of His promises. So we're going to invite you to do that toward the end of the message. But even now, you can text your name or, or email us. Later, we're going to have people up here at the front you can come talk to and pray with. They'll answer your questions. They'll get you ready to be baptized today on the spot you don't want to delay on the promises that God's making to you hopefully when you hear of God working in other people's lives it's uh, it's inspiring I, I think about some of the uh, heroes in society that inspire people you know they started out with nothing or they had all these problems but they overcame them to do great things I, I think again basketball it's so inspiring and encouraging to know that Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. Did you know that? 
But he went on to become the most successful, the greatest NBA player of all time. And I don't want to argue with any of you LeBron fans, right? Okay? Not going to put up with that here now. This is a happy place. We're not going to get into that. I'm telling you, MJ is the best. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to ever be an MJ, but his example inspires me like, I can, okay, I can do better than I think I can. And even if I get a setback right now, I can, I can come out better in the future. Even more so when you hear about what God does in the lives of others, the confidence and the courage that that gives me. Like, I'm no Moses. I'm never going to be Moses. But I'm, I can do greater things than I think I can if I don't give up, if I endure. Chapter 11 is like a series of mini documentaries in the Hall of Faith. So what does that mean for us? Going on to chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, okay, so what? Well, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who's that? All the people of faith that went before us. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How foolish to run a marathon lugging around a backpack. Right? Get rid of it. Throw it down. Throw down all the, the sin, all the baggage that's weighing you down and holding you down and, and slowing you down, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. How could Jesus go through everything that he went through on the cross? Because he wasn't looking at the cross. He was looking beyond the cross to what it would accomplish. And that's what made him get through it all. Been there, done that. So when you're going through tough times like that, remember what Jesus went through. All the pain, all the adversity. He didn't tap out. You don't have to tap out either. You're going to get to a place of victory eventually. I don't know if it'll be in this life or the next, but you're going to get there if you don't give up. And he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. You think you got it tough? Think of Jesus. Why? Why do you want to think of Jesus? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So what's stopping you or holding you back from fully living for Jesus and obeying him? What's weighing you down right now? Lay it aside so that you can run with endurance. It's just holding you back. Hebrews gives you a couple things that you need to run the race of faith. First, you need discipline. It's not a pleasant word. Nobody likes discipline. But if you want to play a sport, if you want to win, you got to have discipline. Not easy because our natural tendency is to lie on the couch, right? Discipline will keep you from slowing down and giving up. That's our natural desire. But discipline keeps you going to do what you got to do, whether you feel like it or not. And that's the key, right? I don't feel like it. So what? What, what am I here to do? Am I here to just lay around or am I here to do something great for God? So think about what might be weighing you down right now. What baggage do you need to throw off? I mean, got any bad habits you need to give up? You know what they are. You need to discipline your eyes to look away? You need to discipline your mouth to shut up a little bit more? What kind of good habits do you need to pick up? in order to get where you need to go to become more like Christ. Maybe it's the commitments that we've been talking about. Attending worship weekly, reading your Bible and praying daily, um, serving, managing your money wisely and generously. 
right? All those things will help you get to where you need to go. And that may mean disciplining yourself, disciplining your time in media and gaming and um, online stuff, you know, sleeping. Maybe we need to discipline ourselves a little bit better. So for many years, part of my prayer life has been, Lord, give me discipline in body, mind, and spirit. Because my tendency is not to be disciplined, so I need God's help to do that. So it's just like with working out. I mean, maybe your faith gets to a place where it becomes lazy and weak and flabby because you're not using it. So what do you do? Well, physically, you get to the gym. You get a trainer. You, you get moving. I don't want to. So what? I don't feel like it. So what? What kind of a person do you want to be? Consider this your gym right now spiritually. Where now you're getting a little bit of coaching. And you get in a group. And you get around some other Christians who are, who are role models, examples, inspirations to you. But you get to a place where you don't need all that because you're learning to discipline yourself so that you can live out your faith every day, everywhere you are. You still want that stuff in your life, obviously. But you learn to discipline yourself and to have, secondly, a focused mindset. Because this isn't a sprint. You might get 15 years into this Christian life and say, you know what, I think I can take it easy now. No, this is a till-you-die marathon. There's no slowing down. There's no giving up. It's not going to get any easier. I mean, there are parts of your Christian life that may get easier. Hopefully they will. Other parts may not. You're always going to struggle with something. So if you have that long-distance mindset, you're less likely to quit. So keep your eyes focused on the, the finish line. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the one who's gone before you. Shows you it can be done. When you're struggling, consider him who struggled more. What does that look like? Verses 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What kind of worship is acceptable to God? The kind that he wants, the kind that he tells us, uh, the kind that Jesus mentions. He wants worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. So it's not just about outward forms and rituals and feelings about what's what you are going through the motions on Sunday, that's not really worship. It's what's happening on the inside, in your spirit, in your heart, that, uh, that you genuinely want to honor and seek the Lord. It's, it's more than just what we do here. It's, it's every day. It's the words we say, the thoughts we think, the actions we take. Everything we do every day can be an act of worship to God. All of life is glorifying God, responding to His truth, not limited just to this time and this place. So we're always going to be offering sacrifices of praise, of obedience, because He is worthy and we owe Him everything. Now what is that faith going to produce in us to encourage us? All through Hebrews are sprinkled these helpful hints to help us persevere. First is confident prayer. In chapter 4, we're told that we can enter the throne room Come before the throne of God and we'll find the help we need, the grace and the mercy we need. So that's, we come through Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. And we pray according to His will. More than what I want, I want what you want. And I pray in faith and I pray in obedience. Jesus is the one who gives me access 
to God. It involves sincere worship. Chapter 10 says we can enter with confidence into the most holy place of God's presence. We understand we're in God's presence all the time, so what does that inspire in us? Worship. So what does that worship look like? Well, it's the difference between understanding you're in God's presence or you're not. If you think you're out of God's presence, you're going to try a whole lot of other things you wouldn't normally do if you know God is in your presence. Remember, worship isn't just here and now. And it's sincerity. Sincerity is not just, again, coming to a certain place and the way you stand and the posture you take and the clothes you wear and saying the exact words that need to be said. Worship is everything. It's beyond singing. But I want you to think about your singing too because everybody worships differently. I mean, I, I remember years ago I had a guy come to me who was just kind of upset and discouraged, felt feel bad. I feel inferior because I look around at other people worshiping around me and they're like raising their hands and they're swaying around and I'm just not feeling that. That's okay. God knows your heart. He sees what's going on on the inside. It's very easy to do things externally. What's happening here? If it's sincere, then it's pleasing to God. It's not about getting in the right mood. It's not about folks on the platform emotionally manipulating you and hyping you up to get you in the mood to worship. And the folks here are very careful not to do that. It's got to come from your own heart to be real, to be genuine. And if you're watching online right now, you know, glad you're here, but it's harder at home, isn't it? Because there's so many distractions. It, you, you're tempted to not really focus on worship, not even to sing. You're not singing when you're watching online. You're multitasking. You're distracted. So does that even count as worship if we're not really focused on Him? So we've got to be careful about what we bring to the table with worship. Because if it's just empty ritualism, then it means nothing. It's futile. But if it's genuine, then it's fuel for faith. God doesn't need your worship. You need it. Now, we don't worship for what we get out of it. Don't misunderstand. We do it all for His glory, but inevitably we're going to get something out of worship because that's the, God, the way God made us. And when you miss worship, you don't know what you're missing out on from God. What song may inspire you to live for Christ this week? What enlightenment you might get from the teaching to live for God this week? What fellowship, encouragement you might get from other Christians to live for God this week? What the communion time will do for you to recenter your faith for the coming week? Don't miss out on any of that stuff. Inevitably, you're going to experience some sort of blessing or help or healing or deliverance just by being in God's presence. So we come so that we can grow and then go and live for Him. Don't give up on that. It also involves commitment to community life. And one of the first steps of losing connection with God is losing connection with God's people. It's just inevitable. I know people will say, well, you, know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Okay. But it's almost always the case when somebody starts missing and avoiding worship that there's a spiritual problem. I see it over and over. It's a heart problem. Why would you want to miss worship? 
Why would you not want to experience what God has for you? Why would you not want to glorify Him? Why would you want to disobey His command in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25? Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of the second coming drawing near. Sadly, across America, people have been missing worship more than ever you know, Michael was talking earlier about the past two years and all the trouble and adversity we've been through. I don't think it's been seen probably anywhere worse than in the church across America because people just stopped going, right? They didn't intend to. They thought they would come back one day, and they just never did. They didn't plan on missing church permanently, but that's what's happened because Churches all across America are still much lower in attendance than they were, they were two years ago. Even here in our church, between our two campuses, we're only at about 60% on Sundays of what we were before. What happened? People gave up. They didn't endure. They didn't persevere. And what a shame that is. Because you need the church. And the church needs you. Because you are the church. When you're missing, the body of Christ is missing a part that's needed. Your growth is, is dependent so much on what we do together to encourage one another on, to love and good works. Instead of stirring up trouble and division, we need to focus on stirring up love and good works among each other because there are people all around you right now you don't even know the trouble they're going through, the struggle that they're facing, the temptations that they're dealing with. They need you, and you need them. So I'm very grateful, as Hebrews said, I'm grateful that we've got a church full of folks like that, church full of elders like that, and, and staff like that, and groups like that that I've been a part of. So faith in Christ provides that confidence and fuel to finish strong. Keep growing, and you'll be going. And as you're going, we'll keep growing. And so, again, next week is the big weekend, right? Easter it begins with Good Friday. We're going to start with an online service, 7 o'clock. Our four elders are going to be bringing the message on the trials of Jesus. But go on the online platforms, website, Facebook, YouTube. Do not show up <laughs> because there's not going to be many people here. It's all online on Friday, all right? Start off the weekend that way. And then for Easter, we got... Two days of worship. We're bringing back Saturday night, folks. Six o'clock Saturday for that one weekend so far. We're going to do six o'clock worship. So if you can show up Saturday, that'd be great. But Sunday, normal times. And uh, it's not only celebrating the resurrection, it's celebrating our 30th birthday, three decades downriver. I'm going to be bringing the message called Everybody's Invited to God's Party. So go out and invite a bunch of people. You know, pray and invite a bunch of people back who haven't been here in a long time. But even more than that, invite people who have never been here before so they can be exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ. Invite them however you can. Grab a stack of cards out in the lobby. Message them. Call them. Uh, share posts with them. Would you at least pray for and invite 10 people this week? And then the following Friday, we're going to have the big 30th birthday celebration with a worship night. We're going to be having a lot of memories and pictures on the screen. And uh, we're going to be uh, recognizing some special servants here and uh, capping it all off with a whole bunch of desserts. Just won't be the same without you here for that. So again, 
this is your time. If you would like to make that next step in your life, whatever it is, and maybe it's the first step to become a follower of Jesus, come down in the next few moments when the music is playing, meet with folks up here, or text or email us. But first, let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for, for a lot of people to turn to you right now, for those who are going through hard times, going through struggles. God, that you would strengthen them, keep them growing and going, and, and not give up. Some are burdened down with, with worry, with grief. Some are sad and, and broken. And they feel like they got nowhere to turn. I pray that you would lift those heavy loads. Use us to encourage one another, to carry each other's burdens. We know, Jesus, there's no burden too big for you, so we're going to give it to you. Some are weighed down by sin. And I pray they they repent and they finally get rid of it, throw it off. Some have been hurt by others. Some have hurt others. God, help them to experience healing, forgiveness, restoration. Some have have done that and slid backwards. They've slid away. Help them to turn back to Christ and to community. God, give us all greater faith. We're going to just take a few moments right now to pray silently for family and friends that need Jesus, that need to be here for Easter. And God, we're going to lift up those names and pray that you give us open doors to, uh, to invite them. pray that they will be here for Easter and that you would empower us to be disciplined in body, mind, but especially soul so we can be more like Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Stand together. You come down if you need to.